What's up, fire alarm? Come on. Hey, well, so excited you guys are here. We're in uh, week number four of uh, Running in Circles. Um, hey, there is a Bible underneath your seat. You, you will want to grab that to follow along today. Um, if you do not have a Bible, that's our gift to you. If you do have one, leave that for the next service. Um, they'll be deeply appreciative of that. And, uh, but if you get, grab that Bible underneath your seat, you want to follow along in that. We're, in, we're, in page, uh, we're on page 1007 um, today in the book of Philemon. Um, now, <clears throat> as we, as we, yeah, we're, we're, we're figuring this out here. So just so you know, so that it's not like, uh, you know, where's Waldo every time that we need to find these Bibles. We're, we're going to grab, we're going to grab those out for you. Uh, but ahead, yeah, go ahead and grab those. There's, if there's not one underneath your seat, should be one right after, right, right, uh, right next to you. Um, hey, but we're in a series called uh, Running in Circles. And really what we're doing in this, in this uh, series is we're answering the question, um, we're answering, we're, we're kind of looking at the charge of Jesus when he says, love others like I have loved you. In John 15, Jesus says to his followers, he says, love like I love you. That's this massive idea. It's this big, kind of a big task, if you think about it. And, 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 and when, we, when we dive back, when we kind of sit back, we think, okay, how do we truly love other people like Jesus loved us? And we said, when this happens, you're going to be forced to answer things about your relationships that you maybe not have never done before. You've ne- perhaps you haven't um, answered these questions about your own relationships. And, and so we've been looking at a bunch of different characteristics about what a person does in order to love someone like Jesus. And today, we're going to be talking about people that push and how you can help, uh, you can help people grow into all that God created them to be. But uh, today, we're talking through the relationship between Paul um, and, this, this, uh, and a, a slave called Onesimus. And, uh, and Paul and Onesimus and actually this, his, uh, his slave owner, Philemon. And it's this incredible little interaction here um, and, and how, how the Bible continues to break down what it's actually like to, to push people into all that God created them to be. Um, but, but really, the idea that we want to get across is this very quickly, very simply, is that people that push help you grow into all that God created you to be. People that push, they stretch you to become all that God created you to be. They say, okay, you have a capacity. God created you with more capacity. They see that in you. You see that in somebody else, and you help them stretch in order to become the person that God created them to become. It, every once in a while, we get stuck into these, these habits. We get stuck into these moments where really God um, needs to grow us. God needs to stretch our capacity. And we all know that's not, never the funnest thing in the world to go through. But we do know this, is that God is faithful in that to provide us in relationships, to provide us a relationship that will often be the person that guides us into becoming all that he's asked us to become. He'll never ask you to do something without equipping you with the, the skills and the people to help you get there. He never will do that. He will always equip you to actually get to the places he needs you to be. And so if you want to love someone like Jesus does, you need to be a person that pushes and stretches people to all that God creates them to become. And we're going to look at the story of Philemon today um, in that. There's a, there's, it's it's a, the shortest letter in the New Testament. It's this one-page thing. Um, if you're in the Bible, if you're, if you're there already at page 1007, you'll see um, that this is actually a normal size of a letter in the New Testament. 
Were you looking ancient Near East? People, you know, they weren't texting each other. They weren't, they weren't FaceTiming whenever they needed to send some love, right? They were writing letters. And oftentimes they couldn't read or write. So there were, there were professional scribes that would write letters for them. And so this is actually the normal size of the letter, which will really, when you dive into letters like Romans and First and Second Corinthians, and, and the books are 15 chapters long, you'd be like, man, that was like, that was literally like a book in the, in the first century. That's literally like a book. This is really the size of a, of a normal first century letter in the book of Philemon. Now, Philemon was this, was this guy. He, 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 had a, he, was the, he was the owner of a house, and he had for him a workforce um, that worked for him. In the first century, slavery was normal. We know today that slavery is not condoned. That's not something that we would say that that's a good thing to do. Uh, but that was a normal part of their life in the first century. And so you had Philemon, who was the owner of a, of a slave that was called useful. His name was Onesimus. Um, Onesimus was just simply the, the, the name of, some, of a slave. It was like a label, a Greek label for somebody who was very good at his work. So Onesimus was a, was a slave, caught, and his name simply meant useful. He was useful to the owner. Slavery was this massive deal in the first century. It is estimated in Rome at this time that 250,000 slaves were traded every year. And what they wanted to do, what they needed to do in order to sell a slave is they would bring the slave up and they would stand him on a box and they would, they would begin, they, they, would, they would hang a, uh, you know, a piece of paper or, or a piece of wood in front of this slave with all of the slave's defects written on it nice and neatly for someone who wanted to buy him to know all the defects about this slave before they bought him. And so they were not allowed to have any status. A slave had no status in the first century. He, they were literally only considered to be a boy. You never could become a man in the first century if you were a slave because they didn't want you owning anything. They didn't want you marrying anybody. They didn't want you giving an inheritance to anything. They wanted you to just be the workforce. Same thing with women in the first century. If you were a slave woman, you, you were just a part of create. You, your, your role was to just create more and more slaves. In the city of Ephesus, there was a hill that, that, that people, when they had a, a baby with a defect, they would bring the baby up the hill and they would leave him there um, for, for them to die. And so slave owners very customarily would, would walk up this mountain, grab the baby, raise them for their own so that they could continue to increase their workforce. It was this no status, you had no, there's no value outside of your ability to produce work. And so Onesimus is in this moment with Philemon. And he realizes that for some reason, he no longer is useful to Philemon. So he runs, he escapes. Now in Rome, this is a massive deal. If a slave were to escape, they had companies, they had organizations that you could hire to go find the slave that ran away. It was law, if you found the slave, that you had to bring him back. It was, it was that law. And so Onesimus knows about Paul. Philemon and Onesimus, they had, they're a part of the church in Colossae. And so the book of Colossians is actually written to the same group of people. They believe, they begin, he, he says, I know about Paul. I need to make my way to Paul. In the same way, if you were here a few weeks ago, we talked about Epaphras. He, ran, he runs to Paul and says, I need your help. I need your help. Look, look this guy over here is about to do something crazy. He's, I, don't know if he, I don't know what he's, he's going to do. But all I know is that the slave owner, Philemon, he's going to either slaughter me, he's going to release me, he's going to do something, and I'm not going to be able to do anything about it. I need your help, and I need to get back to my town. 
and I need your support to do that. Now, owning a slave in the first century was economically and politically status for you, economic and political status for you in the first century. So the more slaves you had, the more status you had. So if you had had a, a bunch more slaves than the guy down the street, you were politically and economically more valuable than someone who owned less than you. And so there's all these like first century dynamics at play within this story. So what happens is this, Paul gets Onesimus to come to his house, you know, gets to come to his house, begins to hear the story, begins to hear the story about Onesimus. And he somehow between the, 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 the runaway and Paul, he becomes a follower of Christ. And so now you got this thing where you had a slave who had no status is all of a sudden a son in the kingdom. Ho, 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 ho. And what happens now is Onesimus is is beginning to figure out how do I live a life in the kingdom but also make play with my past and understand what God has done. The biggest person that's going to get stretched in this story, believe it or not, though, is not Onesimus. It's Philemon. That's why the book is called Philemon. It's written to Philemon. He says, Paul's going to write him this letter. Now, what I love about the first century, what I love about the Bible, is a lot of times we, we romanticize this, as we, and we, we kind of sit down and we read it all prim and proper. What, the way this book would have been written to you, and the way this book would have been read to Philemon, is that he would have sent somebody with the letter. And that letter would have been read, because only about 10% of the people could actually read or write at this time. So, so they, it would actually be read. And they would even practice it to the point of theatrically understanding all that's going on. So you have to get all this stuff in your head. You have slavery in the first century. The fact that Onesimus has no status. Paul has, Philemon has all the status. Philemon has everything to lose. Onesimus has nothing to lose. And he gets to Paul. And Paul understands that this Onesimus is no longer a slave. He's a son of God. He is actually a brother now. And he would have gotten this letter. Tychicus, one of Paul's friends, we're going to talk about him in a couple weeks. Tychicus would have gotten to the church of Colossae, and he would have read this letter. And we're going to read it together like he would have, okay? You never would have believed that you would have came to church. We read a whole book of the Bible today. Right, we're holy. All right, tell your, tell your friends. We're a holy church. We read the whole book of the Bible when we went to church this morning. So this is what it says. Imagine, this is Tychicus reading this to the church. This isn't just to Philemon. This is to the church now, okay? Listen, he goes like this. This letter is from Paul. Everybody's ears go up, right? A prisoner for preaching the good news about Christ Jesus from our brother Timothy. I'm writing to Philemon our beloved co-worker, to our sister Aphia, and to our fellow soldier Archippus, and to the church that meets in your house. So Philemon, he's the senior pastor of this house church. This is, this is getting awesome. May God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. It's just a normal hello. I always thank my God every time I pray for you, Philemon, because I keep hearing about your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and your love for all God's people, 
And I am praying that you will put into action the generosity that comes from your faith as you understand and experience all the good things we have in Christ. Your love has given me much joy and comfort, my brother, for your kindness has often refreshed the hearts of God's people. Okay, can you, so you can kind of see this like, hey, hey, bro, your kindness, your generosity, all of this stuff going on in you, I'm so encouraged by you leading your little house church in the way of Christ. So Philemon, you can see him sitting there, and he's like, all right, thanks, Paul. Verse 9, that is why I am boldly asking a favor of you. I could demand it in the name of Christ because it is the right thing for you to do, but because of your love, I prefer simply to ask you, consider this a request from me, Paul, an old man, and now a prisoner for the sake of Christ Jesus. See what he did there? He's like, not only am I getting older, but I'm a prisoner. You should probably do what I say, right? He's like throwing out all the cards, isn't he? He's like, everything about me, you're getting. Verse 10, he says, so I appeal to you to show kindness to my child, Onesimus, okay? So he would, that would have been normal language. My child, okay, I get it. But he's now saying he's not just a child, he's my child. I became his father in the faith while here in prison. Onesimus hasn't been much of use to you in the past, but now he's been very useful to both of us. I am sending him back to you, and with him comes my own heart. I wanted to keep him here while while I'm in these chains for preaching the good news, and he would have helped me on your behalf. I can, sit, I can see Philemon here now. He's like, interesting. This is getting, getting a little weird, okay? That now this child has now somehow become a part of Paul's family. And so he's, you can see him tracking along in this. You can kind of feel him tracking along in this really strange stretching. Verse 13, well, verse 14. But I didn't want to do anything out of your consent. Remember, it's against the law for Paul to keep Onesimus. I wanted you to help because you were willing, not because you were forced. It seems you lost Onesimus for a little while, a little while so that you could have him back forever. He is no longer like a slave to you. He is more than a slave, for he is a beloved brother, especially to me. Now, he will mean much more to you, both as a man and as a brother in the Lord. So if you consider me your partner, welcome him as you would welcome me. If he has wronged you in any way or owes you anything, charge it to me. Now look at Paul, verse 19. I, Paul, write this in my own hand. I will repay it, and I won't mention that you owe me your very soul. <laughs> Come on, man. You say the Bible doesn't have anything exciting in it. Come on. Yes, my brother, please do me this favor for the Lord's sake. Give me this encouragement in Christ. I am confident as I write this letter that you will do what I ask and even more. One more thing. Please prepare a guest room for me for I'm hoping that, that God will answer your prayers and let me return to you soon. Imagine, imagine if you just... 
the, just the arrogance coming out of Paul here. Hey, I'm coming back. I'm going to come. I pray that God will answer your prayers so that you see me soon, right? I just wrote you this letter. I'm going to follow up on this here in a little bit. Then he says, Epaphras, my fellow prisoners in Christ Jesus, sends you his greetings. Now, Epaphras, again, is his pastor that started his church, so he knows about Epaphras. So do Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, and Luke, my coworkers. May the grace of God, the Lord Jesus Christ, be with you, with, be with your spirit. Okay, wow. There's so much going on here. And I'm going to very quickly, I, wanna, I want you to see four things that Paul does in this letter. He's going to stretch Philemon as a brother that loves Philemon, as a brother that loves him. He's going to stretch him to, not, to no longer see someone according to how the culture sees him, no longer see someone according to how the person is seen, uh, no longer see, uh, be seen by how Philemon typically sees Onesimus. He's going to stretch him to see how God sees Onesimus. And the gospel will always stretch us this way, to begin to see things the way God sees them and not just the way that we want to see them. The gospel will change the way we look. It'll change the way we see. It'll change the way we feel. It'll change the desires, the rhythms in our life by stretching us to consider all that God has created us to be. Paul knew Philemon had more in him. He He knew he had more capacity to see it. And so there's four things that the gospel will push us to do. Number one, the gospel is going to push us towards people. The gospel will push us towards people. Look what, he, look what he says in verse 10. He says, I appeal to you to show kindness to my child Onesimus. I became his father in the faith while here in prison. He's saying, he said, I want you to show some kindness Because I know you've been changed by the gospel. I know the Lord has changed you. You've become a brother in Christ. He has changed you to become all all that you've created to be. And so I want you to show kindness to a slave that has no status in 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 the country, but is going to be shown, is going to be given status because of Christ. See, Onesimus, he could have stood on his status now as a child of God. I'm a son of God. I have someone that's been changed by the gospel. He didn't need this in Christ, but he needed it in his culture. And so Paul has this classic verse in Galatians chapter 3 where where he talks about this. He says, there's neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither slave nor free. There's neither male nor female, for you are all all one in Christ Jesus. This is a great, pretty verse that you want to etch on any pillow that you want to etch it on, Right? until you actually have a slave, until you actually begin to understand the dynamics between male and female, to begin when you actually understand the differences between races and nationalities. When you break those down in the name of Jesus, you understand that there's nothing that ties us together but the gospel. Black, white, no matter what your, no matter what your approach to life is, we lay all of that down at the feet of Jesus because in Christ, we are now made one. Man, if that shouldn't stretch you to understand that no matter who you see every single day has value in the eyes of God, that should continue to completely stretch your heart. 
It pushes us towards people. The gospel will always push you towards people. Paul has this other, this other church, first, and it's written about in the, the book of 1 Corinthians, where the, the church literally is starting to line itself up underneath teachers. They say, well, I don't like Paul. I like Apollos better. Well, I don't like Apollos. I like Peter better. And so the church then begins to separate itself out by pastors. And they say, okay, well, well I'm of, of Apollos, and you're, you guys are the Peter crowd, and you guys over here, you're the, you're the Paul crowd. And Paul says, no, 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 no. Each one had its thing, but it's Christ who causes the growth and the maturity of the church. Because he knows this, that you can't be an of culture without being a for culture. If you're an of culture, if you're of Apollos, if you're of Peter, if you're of Paul, you can't have a for culture because you can't be for another person if all you're doing is separating from them. He said, no, no, no. We are of Christ so that we can be for each other. Can I get an amen? Come on. So the gospel will always push you towards people. Number two, he's going to push you towards presence. He's going to push you towards presence. Verse 13, I wanted to keep him here with me while I'm in these chains for preaching the good news. And he would have helped me on your behalf, Philemon. Presence communicates love. If you're a parent in here, you know this. You know if there's a separation between you and your child of any kind, you can see them desiring your attention. There's a someone in your life, perhaps someone hurting in your life, that needs not just your words. Maybe they don't need any words. They just need you sitting down next to them. A lot of times when people go through these massive stretches in life, it can get a little awkward and we tend to pull away. Like, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. I don't have the perfect words. But sometimes the only thing that you can do is just go sit with them and watch the incredibly disappointing season finale of This Is Us. Did you see that this week? I mean, unbelievable. We'll get that later. We'll get there later. But, but presence is sometimes the only thing that communicates love. He says, I want Onesimus here with you. It's against the law for me to keep him. I got to send him back. But just so you know, I need him here with me. And that should shape the way that you see him. Presence. The gospel will always push you towards being there. Feel awkward. Send the text message. Send the picture. Send the encouragement text. Send the encouraging card. Feel that awkwardness because the gospel is putting that thought in your heart. The gospel is sending you that way. Number three, the gospel pushes us towards people, towards presence. It pushes us towards purpose. Verse 16, it says this. He is no longer like a slave to you. He is more than a slave, for he is a beloved brother, especially to me. Now he will mean much more to you, both as a man and and as a brother in the Lord. The gospel is going to push you towards growing in purpose. What, what, what Paul is doing here is he's talking about, he's, he's trying to understand or trying to paint the picture of what the future looks like 
for Philemon now that he has a brother in Christ that used to be a slave. When you understand this, when, you're, when you have a brother in Christ now, when you have a sister in Christ that's, that's a part of the family, you will always have to change the way that you, can, that you consider them. If that is not your first thought, when you think about somebody else, that they're a brother or sister in Christ, you have the priorities of the gospel mixed up. A lot of times we first go towards people's, use, people's usefulness, don't we? Well, they're not useful to me. That's what Paul is saying here. Onesimus is not useful to you anymore, but he's useful to me because he's a brother in Christ. That should deeply, deeply challenge us in the way that we see people, in the way that we have purpose. He's trying to grow Onesimus. He's trying to grow Philemon in a way that helps them understand what the future is. You have an understanding. You have this understanding of, of a stretch goal in your life. Think about the thing in your, that, that, that's like just near impossible for you to stretch into. Say, I got this idea, I got this thought, I got this goal, I got this, I, uh, this understanding about my life. I'd really, really like if I could get to here. And it's this incredibly stretching uh, understanding. And we need people that push us, that talk about what that looks like. Say, hey, I know what that looks like. This is what it looks like. You want to manage your money a certain way? Here's where it goes. If you want to you have this type of relationship with somebody, all right, here's, here's what it looks like. Your marriage is struggling, talk to somebody. Let them know about what it is. That vulnerability will allow you to have someone that stretches you into all that God created you to be. You're a student in here looking for a job, make friends that are going to help you navigate the job scene. That's where the power of the other, that's where running in circles will begin to help you see the hand of God in your life is by painting a picture of the future now before you even get there. And so you see this thing. You see the gospel pushing us towards people, pushing us towards having presence in someone else's life, pushing us towards purpose, but lastly, pushing us towards pursuit. The reason why the book of Philemon's in the Bible is because it's our story. It's because it's our story. Philemon was a man with status. And in order for him to accept Onesimus as a brother in Christ, he had to empty himself of some status so that he could infuse status into, into a, a slave that became a son. In order for Philemon to understand, in order for Philemon to actually do what Paul is doing, his, he would have needed to take a hit in his status so that someone with no status could be seen as someone with status. Philemon had to empty himself so that Onesimus could be raised. There's another man in the Bible that did this. You read about him in Philippians chapter 2. It says this. It says, let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who thought, who, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and of being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross." 
The reason why the book of Philemon even resonates with who we are is because that's our story. If Jesus doesn't empty himself and through his death and resurrection raise us to have relationship with Christ, we don't have what we have. We don't have peace with God. We don't have salvation. We don't have the, the, the defeat of, of death. The gospel's always going to push you and stretch you towards the pursuit of somebody where you need to empty yourself and give that other person life simply through your activity, through, simply through your presence, sim- simply through your, through your words. Way, the reason why Philemon matters is because Philemon is the story of Jesus. And as a follower of Christ today, I'm so thankful that Jesus emptied himself so that we could have peace with God. And he's saying the same thing that Jesus did in, in Philippi, where Paul's talking about in Philippians 2, the same thing, I want you to do that. I want you to hold others in the same mentality that Jesus had when he emptied himself from heaven. That's, I mean, it's a big status jump, isn't it? But heaven to human. Congratulations, Jesus. He said, I want you to do the same thing. I want you to do the same thing when you consider somebody in your life, when you consider someone in your group, when you see some, consider someone in your community group, when you consider someone in your church or someone at the, at the elementary or the middle school, someone at the high school. He says, I want you to have the mind of Jesus holding the interests of somebody above yourself. Because every single time that's gonna hit you here way before that hits you in the hands or the head. It'll hit you right in the heart to stretch you to consider someone who's not like you, someone who has no status, someone that you would see as disrespectful or even in your way. It should stretch you to change the way that you see people. That's the story of Jesus. That's the story of Philemon. And that's the story that we need to have playing within our hearts. Because here's the deal. At one point in your life, you had no status. And because of Jesus, now you have status. We're not Philemon here. We're Onesimus. And without Paul fighting for Onesimus, he has no status. He has no hope for any sort of growth. We're not the point of this story. We're the one that needs the status. That's what Jesus did, and that's what Philemon eventually does. Here's what's at stake. When, when Onesimus gets freed from slavery, Philemon, we wouldn't have known about the story had Philemon actually said yes to Paul, by the way. Like, that would have been, like, not something that we would have, not something they would have published. But here's what happens. Onesimus gets freed from slavery. This is probably in the year 60. Around the one, year 100 AD, St. Ignatius is writing a letter to the church of Ephesus, and he says these words. This is, blows your mind. I received your whole multitude in the name of God through Onesimus, a man of inexpressible love, and your bishop in the flesh whom I pray you by Jesus Christ to love, that you would all seek to be like him, and blessed be 
he who has granted under you being worthy to obtain such an excellent bishop. This slave gets freed. He has no status. Jesus gives him status. Philemon frees him, and he becomes the leader of the church for the whole region, not just Colossae, but the whole region of Ephesus. There's something at stake for you to give status to people who don't have status. The reason you do this is because that's your story in Jesus. You went from no status to having status. Today, you have cardboard on your, paper, on your, on your seat. And at one point in your life, you had no status. Jesus, because of Jesus, you're given status. At some point in your life, you're going to see this flip from who you were before Christ to who you were after Christ. Who you were before you met him, and then when you meet him, something happens, you begin to change. Without that change, you're really missing a, uh, like everything about who Christ is because he's going to help you change into the person that he created you to be. He's going to stretch you to become the person that God created you to be. And so you see a change between who you were before Christ versus who you are after. And so today we're going to watch a video that's going to explain that, how we're the story of Philemon, that we're Onesimus. We're Onesimus, that Jesus fought for us. I want you to see this video, and then the, we're going to close out as we begin to pursue all that Christ has for us.
that's the, that's the change. He says, you were Onesimus. You had no status. But because of Christ, you are now a new creation. And whether this is your first time you've ever heard of good news like that, or this could be the thousandth time you've heard that, you need to be reminded today that you're no longer who you used to be, but you're now a new creation. And every time that Jesus sees you, he doesn't see that person that had no status. He sees Jesus. He sees his own death. He sees his own resurrection. And he sees the hope that's infused into who he is. And so today you should be pumped that you follow someone that doesn't see you for who you used to be and all the junk that you carry along, but has hope for you, has life for you, has joy for you, so that you begin to separate from who you were from who you are now because of Jesus. So man, for me, I was the creator of my own life. I wanted life to look exactly the way that I needed it to. I was setting up my own stuff. I was setting up my own college. I was setting up my own classes. I was setting all my stuff up. But when I met Jesus, I realized, man, I'm nothing but the creation. That it's God who sets things up for me. It's God who directs my path. It's God who, when I follow him, I have the best life that he could ever create for me. Man, I was Onesimus. I had no status. And I thought I was the creator. But because of Jesus and now the being a new creation, I understand that I'm just the creation and I can worship the creator. What is that for you? What is that for you? The band's gonna sing a song today. today. And I want you to just take a moment on one side of that card. I want you to say, okay, who, here's who I was before I met Jesus. And because now I'm a new creation, here's who I am. Here's who God created me to be. I was the creator. Now I'm the creation. Jesus, I pray that you help us understand all that you have for us and the fact that you are now the one and true God and Lord over our lives. That we had no status and because of Jesus, we now have status as sons and daughters of God. That that's our primary identity. That's what we are known for, God. God, I pray that you open up our hearts and our eyes to all that this has. In your name, amen. As the band plays, go ahead and write down what's going on in your card, and we'll close up. Help us own that in you today, God. Uh, God, that we're followers of Christ, that we have the hope of God infused into our hearts. God, that we are new creations, we're changed. We had no status, and now we have status. God, we thank you for this little book in the New Testament called Philemon, where, where you remind us of the gospel. The center point, really, of all of Paul's theology, Paul's understanding of you, is it lays in this book, and God, really, I really, really pray that you help us own that in our own hearts today. God, the scandal of grace, this idea that you would literally give us your own status. God, we pray that you let us understand that today in a new way, in a fresh way, as new creation. In your name we pray, amen. Hey, stand with us as we sing.
that song together before we close out.